This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. We are with you for the next three hours, so hit us up, 800-919-3776. Get at us on Twitter, Ty D. Butler. Instagram as well, Ty D. Butler. We've got Chantel. We've got Joe Leo, who's pulling a 10-hour shift today. Shout out to him, man. He's putting that work, and Harvey's too damn lazy. Doesn't want it badly enough, but uh, Joe is going to be with us. He'll have uh, in or out, locked in, ready, and loaded at 4.30. Maria Marino who you can hear on this station. You can also see on the Action Network. She's on the program 4 o'clock, breaking down NBA All-Star Weekend and looking at the second half for the New York Knicks. An old buddy, Robin Lundberg, 5 o'clock hour. He joins us, host of the Robin Lundberg Show on YouTube. So I'm excited to talk to him about all things, not just NBA. We'll go NFL, maybe throw some baseball in there, uh, but still a whole lot to do. Whole lot to do today. And I was just talking to the producers before the show. And, I, and I'm asking, like, as I'm driving into the station with the snow falling, beautiful scenery in Central Park with, with the transverse, uh, snow all over the trees. Nice look. But what happened to old Puxatani Phil telling us that spring was right around the corner, Joe? He, I, I think it says more about you that you put any weight on what a groundhog has to say about the weather than the actual groundhog. Don't pretend it's just me. The entire nation on February 2nd No, 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 no. 2nd not the entire up. nation. Yeah, everyone wakes up. A handful a- of lunatics put weight in what a groundhog has so to say. So why is it trending? The fir- first thing I, I see on Twitter trending when I wake up February 2nd is Groundhog's Day. Pucks of Tanya Phil, six weeks until spring. That's not just a, 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 a basket of lunatics. Yeah, but if you it's look the entire at, nation. I forget what comedian had this a, as a bit in one of a com- in his comedy special, but if you look at a calendar, right, it's six weeks from Groundhog's Day to the first day of spring, the spring equinox. That's just factual. There's six weeks in between. Yeah, but it uh, doesn't always work that way as far as, like, the actual weather. Like, we'll still uh, sometimes get to May and it's still... You know, cold outside. Right, but people just people want to figure out a way to try to make the month of February go by faster. Yeah, which is sad because it's my birthday month, it's Black History Month, you know, Valentine's Day. So it's, it's a lot popping off in February. But I'll say this, man, because I know people who feel this way. You want to talk about like a handful of lunatics, folks out there who who are like, yeah, winter's my favorite season. I need names. They just enjoy the cold. Not me. They no. enjoy the cold. Nope. I love going outside. Thick sweatshirt, big coat on, freezing, shivering, snow is on the ground. Then that turns into black ice. People are slipping and falling all over the place. That The people who actually bask in that with enjoyment, you can call those morons and lunatics and just disparage them in every way possible because every time I'm outside and it's frigid, I'm annoyed. I don't even want to have a conversation. There's no pleasantries, nothing to smile about. It's just, it's annoying. So that's why we use people like, you know, Paxitani to to, to draw us closer to what we hope is, you know, uh, the being on the doorstep of spring. It's because, like, who who loves winter? The only thing you love about the winter is, is football, which, by the way, uh, shout-out to all the uh, to wives and the, the significant others out there. Wishing you a happy, glad-to-have-my-significant-other-back weekend to you. 
now that football is over, because you had to endure six months of pain. I mean, Sundays, Mondays, Thursday nights, then once college football is over, it's Saturdays. The NFL is not doing a good job at, like, appealing to the, you know, healthy households with with parents and kids. Because you've given us football four days in a week that we, we got to be locked into, it's not good. But, you know, everyone out there who's, who got, who's got their husband back, the boyfriend back, the side dude back, whoever that may be, shout out to y'all. Because uh, it's it's been a long time coming. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I do want to start though with basketball because as I mentioned, we are in the midst of All Star Weekend. I was one of those NBA nerds locked into the celebrity game last night. Uh, did watch a portion of the Rising Stars Challenge. Shout out to uh, Mathurin of the Pacers taking home the MVP. But I, I think this gives us a chance to kind of hit the reset button on the Knicks and the conversation surrounding them because I did watch uh, Jalen Brunson sit down with Cassidy Hubbard last night on the broadcast, and he did talk about, you know, what the feeling is, you know, inside that locker room and what the expectations are going forward. And I, I think his sentiment is consistent with a lot of people who are either Knicks fans or or talk about the Knicks in this market, and it's that, you know, if they get healthy, this is a dangerous team going forward, which is, you know, an idea that I subscribe to. I agree with that. But I, I just do think that there's some concern. Because, like, if you think the Knicks are at the very least a conference finals team. It means that you're banking on health not being a problem the rest of the way. Because we now have six guys, which essentially amounts to two-thirds of your playoff rotation, who are right now in the midst of being injured. And you are 100% banking on at least most of them coming back. Dante DiVincenzo, hamstring. You can say, well, not all that significant. Feels like, you know, something minor that all he needed was an all-star break eight days off to rebound from. And looks like he's expected to be back for that Philly game on Thursday when the Knicks return from, from actions to start the second half. But, you know, those lower extremity injuries, those are tricky. And, you know, what's the severity of it? Who knows, but I, the first thing I thought about was, and Joe Leo is going to remember this, three years ago, James Harden was playing MVP-level basketball, pulled up wincing, grabbed his hamstring, came back after a few weeks, was really good, then second round, game one, at home against Milwaukee, hamstring's done. Now, he did come back in Game 5, but he clearly wasn't the same player. So my point is just, like, with those types of injuries, they scare you just because even when you think you're 100%, you just never know. Isaiah Hartenstein, anytime you see Achilles, you get worried. Boyan Bogdanovich, dealing with the calf. And then, obviously, OG's had the elbow surgery. Julius Randle's dealing with the shoulder. And then Mitchell Robinson coming back from ankle surgery. So that's... Six guys who you expect that if this team is to make a deep playoff run, have to come back and not just come back and sustain their health the rest of the way, but be in rhythm. Be, you know, have that camaraderie. 
And this is, you know, relatively, uh, uh, I would say it's an experienced team, but still some of the pieces haven't played together. Randall went out prior to the deadline deals that they made to bring in uh, Boyan and Alec Burks, which I, I, I applaud them for that, adding some depth and some shooting. And again, I agree that if you get them all back healthy and this team is loaded, you feel, I would say, good about any first-round playoff series. You, you have measured optimism, uh, optimism about any second-round playoff series. And then once you get to the conference finals and the Celtics are waiting for you, depending on how the brackets fall, I don't know that you necessarily feel good about it, but you, you at least give yourself a puncher's shot if everyone is at the peak of their powers and they're all healthy. I just get concerned about asking six guys to all meet me at that point. Peak of your powers, all healthy. Six guys. DiVincenzo, Hartenstein, Bogdanovich, OG, Randall, and Mitchell Robinson. Now you could say of, like, of all the guys, who's the most important? I think it's like right there between OG and Randall. You would say that if you are envisioning some type of a, a deep playoff run, you need Randall to not be the guy he's been in the last two postseasons, and OG's going to be your on-ball defender who can score, who can pretty much do everything, but you know he's the key to you unlocking your ceiling defensively. That's what OG's going to bring to the table. Mitchell Robinson, I, I think he is a, a really nice fit for this team. And, and then somehow, like, the conversation is, has gone too much in the other direction of, well, Hartenstein's been so good. Maybe you don't miss Mitchell Robinson. I still think you miss Mitchell Robinson. But if I told you that at least you're going to get Hartenstein back, you'd be fine with it. And then Dante DiVincenzo, man, I, I, I remember this past offseason when they first signed him. I raved about how how big of a deal this was because you watched him throughout his career and he was always a great shooter. But last year you saw something a little bit differently where he's not just shooting, but with the Warriors, he's 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 cutting to the basket like his his game became uh, more polished around the rim. Not that he's some slasher or uh, some some rim runner. But once they start running you off the three-point line, you got to be able to do other things, and he showed that he can do that. And, of course, he brings it defensively. So I just thought that this was a perfect fit uh, for a Tom Thibodeau system. And I sit here today, like, is it crazy to say right now, so far this season, he's been their second-best player? Like, is that an insane take? It's at least arguable. You know Jalen's number one. But I don't think it's all that crazy to say the second best player for this team this year has been Dante DiVincenzo. Now, part of that is Julius getting hurt, but he's at least in the conversation, which tells you just how important he is. Uh, so all that just to say, uh, the Knicks, we all know that whatever happens the rest of the season is primarily predicated on, one, Brunson continuing to being excellent, which you have no reason to believe otherwise. But two, six guys returning from injury and all being good. And I think that's a lot to ask. Can it happen? Of course. Because it, it, it does sound like Dante, Isaiah, and Boyan will be back by Thursday. But, I mean, OG and Randall, yeah, like you need these guys to not just come back and be effective and efficient, but, but to be locked in for... 
three months of the playoffs. And that's just a concern for me. 800-919-3776. We're taking your phone calls. Hit us up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Maria Marino is going to join us at 4 o'clock. Robin Lundberg at 5 o'clock. We'll have a blast right here on 9870 ESPN. Winter is coming. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking to you guys uh, on the phone lines. Batting leadoff is Jerome in East Orange. What's up, Jerome? What's good, Ty? How you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Blessed and highly favored. What's up? Oh, man, I had to shovel this morning, but it's all good, though. It's a a nice um, little workout to start the day, my man. Can't be mad at that. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, You know what, man? I'm thinking that this is the best time for the Knicks to not be healthy. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to – I would rather go through this right now and not have to go through this and have question marks going into the playoffs. You know what I mean? Um, it's funny because when Randall went down, man, I love Randall. I love what he's doing, this, what, he's, what he did this season. But when he went down, I was like, God, I'm so happy it wasn't his left arm because I know he's a um, – <laughs> A lefty, yeah. I know he's a lefty, so I'm like, cool, all right, right hand. You know what I mean? You know? can't be that crazy but um listen let these guys take their time let them get healthy so that we can make this run in the playoffs not too concerned with chemistry because i feel like you know the um the guard that we picked up you know he's familiar with uh with uh Thibodeau's system you know what i mean yeah burks and, um, yeah burks yeah 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 he's familiar he's familiar with you know how we do things now you know it's just so crazy man because it's like I'm not even going to lie to you. The past couple of years, I've been up and down with the NBA because of the Knicks. But, you know, some of these guys that they picked up, I weren't too familiar with. But it's like, now it's like, wow, man, these guys are like, we look, our lineup is looking crazy. Yeah, they're balling. They're balling, Jerome, and yeah. I appreciate the call. Hey, look, so the, I understand when people say, well, if you're going to experience like an avalanche of injuries to this extent, you loved for it to have happened when it did because it, it's the first part of the or the first half of the season technically, and it's into the All Star break where you get eight days off, and that that extended period of time allows you to get guys back. Uh, I, I I get all that. Here's why it's it's so um, unfortunate for Julius Randle because the the one thing we know about him is that he is proven to be a really good to great regular season player. Like, for all of his flaws, the one thing Nick fans can't say about Julius Randle is that like his first year, he was awful. Since then, he's been tremendous during the regular season. Like, you know what he brings to the table. The, 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 the part that separates him from just being, you know, loved and appreciated is the fact that he's had so many shortcomings in the playoffs. And, you know, he's had 15 games played. The dude is shooting 34% from the field, 28% from three. Now, obviously, that is, you know, quite the, the fall from his production during the regular season. So you're always going to be on him about that. And the reason why it's, it's, it's so brutal to lose him, because, like, the what you would hope for for Julius is, you know, it, it's, it's clearly mental. 
He's got the talent. He's got the skill. I, I would argue that that first playoff series against the Hawks, he just didn't have anybody around him. Nate McMillan had an excellent defensive strategy, and it just stymied the Knicks and Randall. He was in his own head. What you would love to see happen is him to have another great regular season with Jalen Brunson alongside him. The team excels. He gets to the playoffs. He's operating with confidence, and he's in a groove. Now that can't happen because he comes back, and the next time we see him, it's going to be you know trying to find his rhythm. And remember, he was hurt in the postseason last year. So you, you expected him to survive the regular season, be great, come in with some juice, and now he's feeling himself. It's no longer a mental game. So now it's he has to overcome the physical part of it, being healthy, and the mental hurdle of, I've struggled so far through the first 15 games of my postseason career. Everyone's going to be on me this this uh, this playoff run, because the the first time around against the Hawks, you can make the excuse he didn't have any teammates. Last year, you can make it the excuse he was hurt. This year, there were going to be no excuses. He was running out of rope. So I would love to have seen him avoid something like this. But you know, that's why it to me is just so unfortunate. Because with everyone else, you can say yeah, if they come back and they're fine. You know, you would rather have experienced that injury when you did. Now it's just, man, like for this guy, knowing what he has to overcome, it's really tough. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Spike in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Hey, good to get you. I'm going to be real quick. I got a lot of things on the Knicks. I'll get to that at the end. I'm going to give you my two-thirds of the season awards. Okay, if you got a pen or pencil, write them down. MVP Shea Gilligus Alexander. I got plenty to argue that case. Uh, most. Oh, he's been players, great. Yeah, he's been yeah, great he's this been year. Good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great player. Uh, most valuable uh, and most improved player, I give it to Brunson. He just pumped his numbers up, and it's well earned. I think the rookie of the year is Chet Holmgren. I think he'll beat out Wemby. Uh, I disagree uh, with that one. I, maybe I, he's going to get a bump because the Thunder are so good. They're yeah. going to be playing big games late, and he'll get yeah. a better chance to like showcase his skill. But he, yeah. the, 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 the problem with that is – uh, because he has so much more talent around him. Like, Wimby's numbers are better. Shea, uh, no, it's close. Yeah, it's, it's close. close. Uh, but Wimby's got a little bit better numbers. Chet's got so much better talent around him. Uh, so that's yep. going to be interesting to see, like, how you parse those yeah. two things. I, I, I'm going to go those two. The coach of the year has got to be Mark Daniel of Oklahoma yep. City. That's a hangs-down thing. He, no one's even near him in my eyes. And I guess Finch, Finch could make yeah. a run at it. Chris Finch could make yeah. a run at it. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Ain't going to be Doc. And the last thing, the defensive player of the year should be hands down Dylan Brooks, but unfortunately he comes with some baggage. Uh, uh, it's just uh, That's a whole other show to talk about. I want to get to the thing. Uh, there's no question Dylan Brooks is the best defender in the league. And to mm. me, I watch him. The best defender player. in the league? D- Dylan Brooks. I don't I, I don't know about that Spike. That that one. And also I so you said you also said Brunson's your uh, most improved player. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's going to win that award going away, man. Who whose numbers have improved more, Maxey's or Brunson? Take a look at when I get off, okay? I think it's Maxey. But go ahead, finish your uh I know, I want to finish up cuz I know time is short. In fact, off for Jose, I never know when anyone's on. I check with him. It's just wonderful. Great guy. Uh on the uh, thing tonight, look I love the women's basketball. It's played below the rim, and I think it's a, a prettier game to watch. But I've been watching men's basketball for, you know, three times your age almost, or twice your age. But uh, 
Is Sabrina's using the girls' ball, ladies' ball? Uh, yes, yeah, she is. Okay, but she's going to shoot she's from the shoot from the, Yes, from the same distance, from NBA distance yeah. for, for threes. They offered her yeah. a chance to, to shoot from women's distance, but she declined, which, you know, but shout the, out to her the, for doing it. No, she's 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 got a beautiful shot. Yeah. She's got, got a Glenn Rice release. She's beautiful to watch her play. She can shoot that girl. I'm excited but, for it, uh, man. I, I just hope it's for charity or something, because it's, it's almost a little bit of a carnival thing to me. I mean, let them just do it and enjoy it, because the ladies play a beautiful brand of basketball. They're getting a lot of bump with the girl from Iowa. Caitlin but, Clark, uh, yep. Yeah, she she's a she got range like uh, oh, you know man. you need a depth depth finder, but there's not much talent around her either. So yeah, you can knock around these awards, and this will be fun. They have the best front line rebounding I've seen in 25 years. Their rebounding is brutal. This kid, Precious Achua, he's not a thrower, and I'll tell you that he's become a tips player overnight. Do you agree? Yeah, he's a magnet. I appreciate the cost, but he's such a magnet where the ball just finds him, and you know, it's 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 skill. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm not giving him credit, but yeah, he he's he's not a throw-in. He's become a significant part of that rotation, and really embodies a lot of what uh, Tom Thibodeau is looking for uh, in terms of like the guys that are going to be getting heavy minutes in a playoff rotation. Uh, Caitlin Clark, that shot she hit the other night to 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 break the record from the logo. Uh, just unlimited range, and I was listening to uh, you know a bunch of people talk about just you know how you know how brilliant she is just as a player, and I came across what I thought was just a fascinating question that I want to throw at Maria Marino when she joins us at four o'clock, because uh, unsportsmanlike uh, with Evan Cohen, Michelle Smallman, and our guy Chris Cancy threw this around. Like, is if you go back the last decade, is she the biggest college star the last ten years? Like, just judging by the star power when they were actually in college, is she the biggest name? Because you can throw around, like, Zion the one year he was at Duke. You know, Johnny Manziel when he was tearing it up. Tebow, Reggie Bush. So there's a lot of names you can throw around. But Caitlin Clark, and part of it, too, is, like, she's been there for four years, got a chance to go back for year five, which I don't think she should do, but we'll see what happens. Is she the biggest college star? How about that, Joe Leo? You you think she's the biggest college star of the last decade? No, I think it's Johnny Football. Yeah, because there was such a buzz around him. What like he did brand. in that, and it was only like a couple of games. Yeah, it wasn't sustained success. Playing like the flag, Caitlin Clark, and nothing against Caitlin Clark. What she's doing is putting basically women's college basketball back on the map. Something that we haven't really had in. Eight years or so because of the nostalgia, the mystique of UConn really coming down to, I guess, normal the floor. Levels, yeah, right. Normal levels, not just absurd dominance that, that they right. were on. They're not winning 111 games straight or whatever it was. Yeah. And nothing against Caitlin Clark, but she's not getting invitations from Drake like Johnny Football was. Man. Yeah, but she's certainly in that conversation, man. And, and what she's been able to accomplish, I hope she's able to parlay that into uh, a, a phenomenal WNBA career. And Can you imagine if she stays like one more year? Well, she's going to shatter every every uh, every record. She's only ninety nine points away from Maravich. Yeah, well, she she could break that this season. She could break it. Yeah, if she if she stays another year, she can completely put the 
uh, D1 scoring like out of reach forever because, first of all, no one's staying five years. Would in, she be then the best college player, period, in basketball? Like that we've ever seen? Yeah. Maybe. I guess, like, the only thing missing from her resume is the championship, which she came close to doing last year. If she gets the championship, if she goes and she, back to college next year and she's got five years, she's got uh, the scoring record and puts it at a place where no one's ever going to touch it and can win a championship in these next two years, then, yeah, she, uh, what's the case against her being the greatest college player ever? That that that's, There isn't one. That There really wouldn't be uh, too many uh, conversations being had that she's not. Uh, I'll tell you that much. 800-919-3776. Quick break. Right back to your calls. Right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Got coverage of the NBA All-Star Weekend festivities happening on these airwaves. You got the three-point shootout tonight. Jalen Brunson's going to be in action. Uh, Dame Lillard's going to be defending his crown, won it last year. So you'll get to see, you know, some of the, the best shooters on the planet. I, I think this is the best event of, of them all, the slam dunk contests. Now, it's not just star power that has resulted in, in it losing its luster. It's also the fact that, like, there's only but so much you can do as far as creativity uh, to to distance yourself from things we are we've already seen, and now you've got to incorporate props and people. It's just you know Spike called it a carnival. The entire thing is a carnival. It's just to entertain people, but it's slowly but surely we found our way to yeah. This is not even remotely interesting, and maybe tonight that changes because you get. One of the biggest stars in the in the NBA, Jalen Brown's going to be a part of it. Uh, so, so could this be the start of guys of that ilk deciding they want to, you know, participate in this event? We'll see. But uh, three point shootout is where it's at, and it's where it's been for me the last couple of years. So you got Dame, uh, Jalen Brunson, of course, Tyrese Halliburton. No, the Pacer fans are going to be rooting for him. Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, Laurie Markkinen, and Malik Beasley. And then after that, I think I might be more excited for Sabrina Inuescu and Steph Curry. Who you got in that one, Joe? Got to take, got to take Sabrina, right? Yeah, you have to. I think because of where she like. She has no pressure on her. Steph has all the pressure. She can just go out there and shoot. Steph actually has to live up to. It's kind of like it's a lose lose for him. It's a lose lose, which is for, why for I Steph. applaud. So, I applaud him so much for doing this. Now, for me, whoever wins the three point contest and whoever wins out of those two should square off for a, another three point shootout. Get I, rid of the dunk contest. Just get rid of it. I, I don't think need. We it. might be getting there one day. We'll see. We'll see how tonight goes, and if Jalen can create some. some Is he a star, though? Well, I mean, no disrespect. I know he's getting paid like one. Yeah, he's the highest paid player in NBA history. But is he a star? Is he a star? No. Is he Giannis, LeBron? No. Steph, Luca, Katie. No, he's not that echelon of a player. But he's the second best player on the best team in the NBA. 
and he's 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 a perennial all star. So, does he bring you to the TV though? He doesn't. But what I will say is, it, it it's it's definitely bringing you closer to the TV than anything we've gotten in recent years. Like you can't That's even fair. you can't even remember like Mac McClung, this, this G leaguer. You know, not to disrespect him, he put on a show last year, but like. You don't really, you know, J- Jacob Toppin, is that bringing you to a television? No. You you just hope that if you're the NBA, this is the start of some type of change happening where the bigger names can find it in themselves to to to, to have some interest. We they, almost need like a legacy dunk contest. Like bring back Dwight Howard, Nate Robinson, Bring back Vince Carter because I know he could still do it. Jason Carter, Richardson, first time uh, on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. It's gonna be interesting. He's to see getting what in. There. He's getting in. If he doesn't get in, it's a shame. That is a complete shame if he doesn't get in. He deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. First ballot. Yes. I don't know, man. We'll see. How you feel about LeBron is how I feel about Vince Carter. He's my favorite player of <laughs> all time. Did you just say that on the radio? Yes. No, LeBron's not my favorite player of all time though. It's Kobe. No, but. I'm saying your feelings about LeBron, with him being the best player of all time, is my level of love for Vince Carter. He's my favorite player of all time. Uh, Eight-time All-Star, never first-team All-NBA, only one second, one third-team All-NBA, rookie of the year, slam dunk contest champion. I mean, he is, like, as far as his highlight reels, one of the best we've we've ever seen in-game. But does he have the resume of a Hall of Fame player who for his career averaged 17 4 and 3 to say that you know he's a no doubt first ballot hall of famer I don't know that's why I say it's going to be interesting You know what it is if he's not a first ballot hall of famer what's that It's a complete crap <laughs> But yeah man like this entire weekend it's it's kind of disappointing because like I remember growing up like my mom was involved like we were just so engaged but it's just become, uh, you know, as Peter Rosenberg would say, a nothing burger. And, and the real fix has to come for the game. Like, think about how awesome theater it would be if you had the 24 best players in the world competing and it meant something. And they were all locked in. Like, that would be fun. Especially when... Uh, the late game situations, plays drawn up, guys going mano a mano. KD hits a shot, then Steph comes back and he hits a shot. Then it's LeBron, then it's Luca. Like that would be fun, and in theory, it could be fun. It's just on the players, and I don't know what you do because like there's really no way to incentivize them to take this seriously. Organizations, players, coaches—they all look at it as there's more risk than reward. Like if you were a team that considers itself a championship contender, could you imagine losing one of your stars in an all-star game, in an exhibition game that doesn't matter? So I, I just hope that we can find a way to to, to galvanize these guys so, so that it can garner the interest that it, that it used to. Because as much as I love, you know, new age basketball and, and the evolution of sports in general, football, baseball, like, does anyone want to watch... 200 points scored in in an NBA game? Of course not. I just think it's it's a bad it's a bad look overall. Let's go to Low and Queens. What's up, Low? Hey, what's up, fellas? 
What's going um, on, bro? I had to call and chime in on this dunk contest conversation because I think the dunk contest has been the most overthought thing in the world, and I think there's a really simple solution to fix Ooh, it. Let's hear it. Because um, I hear Adam Silver is, like, in his preparation for tonight's game. He's got the show in his office out in Indianapolis. So this this could make some waves, man. You got to bring it, low. What's up? I hope I hope I can help because I really it's been bothering me for years now and um I think I also think that um if they if if they start doing this um you know it it'll encourage the star players to like participate again because I think what ruins it is what you said the you know the props and you know trying to come up with something new all the time I think the judging is is kind of what can fix it because you know they kind of penalize these dunkers for doing stuff that they've already seen, where I don't think that that should be the case. I think if you do a dunk that is, you know, you jump really high and you dunk really hard, I don't see why you should get a bad score for doing a really good windmill or a really good East Bay dunk just because we've all seen it before. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't come up with something new if you can, but I'm saying it, it would put less pressure on them if the score is being kept to, to the point where it's, you know, kind of like gymnastics where it's, it's about form. It's about height. It's about power. It's about you know, um, you know, showmanship. If they keep it within the realms of that, and and it's like okay, if you do the multiple dunks in the same dunk contest, then you could be penalized for that. But no, why am I going to penalize someone for doing a picture perfect windmill dunk? Why am I going to penalize somebody for doing a picture perfect free but throw? But no, so I hear you. But part of like. It, it, like if you're let's just say you're not a, a judge actually at the dunk contest if you're just watching at home like it's part of like the allure is seeing something you've never seen before that causes you to like jump out of your seat and get all excited and if I, I, we're, we're we like we it's it's like physically impossible for us to operate with this tunnel vision where we remove everything we've seen before it's like when you're in a courtroom and, you know, someone on a witness stand says something and there's an objection and the, the judge says, all right, jury, strike that from the record. Like the jury has to, but they can't unhear what they just heard. So, like, judges can't unsee what they've seen historically. And if it's something that's repetitive, I don't know how you get so excited that you give a, a 10 to a dunk that really I doesn't have- wow you. I understand what you're saying, but, you know, if you think about one, what, one of the best dunk contests of all time, 1988, uh, yeah, Jordan Do- versus Dominique, Dominique. Yep. if you look at those dunks, and with all due respect to those dunks, those dunks were probably amazing for their time, but there were a lot of repetitive dunks within that contest. Yeah, but what helped, though, know, was the fact that it was Jordan and Dominique. So I, I think those yeah. two things work in concert. Like, you need the star power and you need creativity. And one of those so things, back to what I said. one of those things if, can if, take up for for the other one if, if it's lacking. If but if if you simplify, if you simplify, I think I think what's scaring the stars away is that they have to come up with, you know, I got to jump in the air while taking a selfie and then email it before I dunk it and you know blow out a birthday candle. I think that's what's scaring them away because it's like it's becoming overwhelming. I'm not saying that if you come up with something creative that you can pull off successfully, yeah, do it. And if you and if you get it done within the first couple tries, then you deserve a 50. But what I'm saying is just because the dunk has been done before does not mean it does not deserve a 50. Like the Rock the Cradle dunk by Jordan is mm-hmm. such a hard dunk to do yeah. that if you do it properly, I don't think you should get a bad score for that. 
And I'm not saying that somebody should come into the dunk contest with the intent to do something repetitive over and over and, you know, just do no, something I hear you. the whole way. But if, if it's encouraged, if it's impressive, it's more of a I get no, I get it, Lo. If it's impressive, it's impressive, and that should just live on its own outside of like the fact that you know being diluted by we, we having seen it before. And it's a great phone call. Appreciate it, Lo. It's it's a compelling, compelling thought. Uh, I'm not gonna knock him for it. I just think that it's it's tough. We we every single year we do this exercise, Joe. Like how do we fix the dunk contest? And maybe the the simple answer is we just can't. We can't, and be- part of that is we've seen, at least as far as we know, everything that we have seen before, and there's no new creativity. The creativity comes in the form of props and like all these other things that really don't have much to do with the art of the, the actual dunk. One thing that might fix it is having a consistent judging core. Because it always changes. And I know Dr. J is pretty much, I think, the only one that does it year in and year out. But if we had, like, an American Idol or a America's Got Talent level of, okay, we know who the judges are going to be. So some consistency. Yeah. Maybe that would, and you would be like, oh, you have to wow this certain person to really get a 9 or a 10. Maybe that would help it. But ultimately, you're right. You're not going to get that much juice to a dunk contest if the best players aren't in it. We need to see Giannis, Tatum. I'm not going to put Jokic in that Anthony conversation. Edwards, man. A- Anthony Edwards would be incredible. Insane. Him, incredible. Donovan, like, it, it, there's, there's some potential here. Because, I like, like I said, even if we can't fully reach the, you know, creativity that we've never seen before level – at least supplement that with some star power, and then you get people to watch. 800-919-3776. I see your phone calls coming in. We'll get to you next. Maria Marina at the top of the hour, right here on 98.7 ESPN. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. 